Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, part one of two. Stay tuned, more on that later. I am your host, Chris, and tonight I've got two guests with me as we are going to discuss the unfortunate turn of events that we all witnessed last night, those being PSG, ultimately coming up short in the Champions League final. So, uh, no Phil this week. She's, um, she's got herself a well-earned break, so she's uh, probably sending herself feet up, uh, glass in hand right now. So, uh, in her absence, uh, Jez, you have to be here because you're pressing the buttons. But more than that, I'm sure you'll have plenty to add on this subject. So, uh, good evening to you. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all good. I'm all good. And um, thanks to your uh, lovely piece of networking skills, uh, we're delighted to say we've got a, a, a newbie tonight. Um, you might be familiar with him if you're a follower of French football, in particular PSG. Uh, you may know him as PSG Tourist. Uh, we know him, or we will know him this evening, as Matt. Good evening, Matt, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, long-time listener, first-time uh, contributor, so I'm excited to be here, albeit in uh, not overly happy circumstances. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and and it, it, of course, it is there that we, we have to start. Um, I'll start with you, first of all, then. As, uh, in fact, let's, let's get a bit of a background from you before we go into the game. Why PSG? How did it come about? What kind of, what made you fall in love with the club? Yeah, so it's, a, um, I'd say I've been a sort of following PSG for about 15 years. So my wife's from Paris. So um, when we first got together, I went over, this must have been summer 2004. And we were there for a couple of months and it was great, lovely city, obviously. Um, and sort of towards the end, we, we went to a game at the park. The first time I'd been, it was a fairly dreary game. It was one all against Caen, if I remember rightly. I can't remember that much about it, but I really enjoyed myself, started sort of following the team from afar and uh, kind of snowballed from there, really. I remember getting um, Satanta Sports subscription back in the day and watching uh, watching the team. And, uh, yeah, sort of obviously sort of become a bit easier in recent years as, the, as their success has grown. So, yeah, I'd say last 15 years or so, sort of been, uh, been following them sort of more and more closely. Good stuff, good stuff. We always have to ask that question because otherwise you, you get the standard people, uh, the same people who ask me why I support Arsenal when I live in Devon. It's so tiring. Um, but uh, yes, okay, so there's there's the background. So going into last night's game, um, how were you kind of feeling? Was it a case of, because there's been this rhetoric that's gone around a lot this week that PSG have, have achieved no matter what happens. Um, Nassau Khalifi was saying the same. Thomas Tuchel was saying it was a huge achievement to get where they've got. Um, did you see it in that way? Or as I probably suspect you saw it, yes, it's great to be in the final, but having got there, you want to try and win it. Mm, I think, yeah, I think exactly that. If you, once you're in the final, it's one game, we've got good players, you think you want to win it. And I was ultimately disappointed that we didn't. I think I do... I wouldn't say it's an achievement to get to the final, but I think that it's definitely a step forward. And I think my overall feeling at the end of this sort of slightly strange Champions League run is is one of one part relief because they didn't do anything horrendously embarrassing and make me want to kill myself. Uh, and one part sort of just pride that they sort of showed that they can play as a team, that they can play mature football, they can sort of, follow a game plan pretty much one to 11. I think even last night they did pretty well at that, at least for half a game. Uh, so yeah, I think that overall I'm not, I think I said um, before the match that if we, if we lost as long as we didn't get an absolute tonking and make fools of ourselves and I wouldn't be too disheartened. So I think, I think at this point I feel reasonably content with what's happened, what we've seen over the last few weeks. I think the real, test of it will be whether this is a, a step forward, whether they can use this momentum to build and go again in the Champions League and really make an impact in the later stages again, or whether it's just a flash in the pan. And I think if it's just a flash in the pan and we go back to our old bad ways next season, then I think I'll probably look back on it and think, oh, that's a real missed opportunity and end up sort of, uh, yeah, being really a bit gutted that we didn't, didn't make the most of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. We'll break down some individual um, talking points from from the game in a moment, but just want to get your sort of overall thoughts then on 
on the defeat, um, sort of one nil to Bayern Munich if you have been living under a rock. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, ultimately the goal scored by, as has been widely reported, a former former PSG player in the shape of Kingsley Coman, sort of the one time that the PSG's defence seemed to just get caught out. It's a clever piece of football, and then Bayern were just ruthlessly Bayern. Um, I described them as classically German, and I meant that in the most complimentary way. They're just so efficient. How did you? What, what was your sort of take on the game overall? And is it those missed chances that are, are still kind of kind of haunting you a bit at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think I quite. Enjoy, I think that I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought it was quite a high quality game. I actually thought it was really interesting. I know the the commentators on BT Sport were very um, a bit sniffy about it and saying they hadn't caught fire and stuff. But I thought it was really interesting. I think that we played really well. I think I always felt that we were having to play 100% just to stay in the game, basically, just to keep them at bay while also offering a threat. And I think you saw that after half-time that they sort of, we weren't able to maintain that, which was a little bit disappointing. But I think generally, I thought they played quite well. I think that we restricted Bayern a lot more than other teams have. I think we created chances. I think we I feel, thought the team looked quite cohesive. And um, it was just a bit disappointing, like you say, that we couldn't take one of those opportunities and then I think the, the biggest disappointment for me was after the goal, I think, because Bayern had like that funny five minutes where they sort of looked like they might score again. But after that, it was very easy for them. They didn't have to really do too much. And I think it, it just it was a shame that the players kind of seemed to have run out of steam and also that Tuchel made what I thought some quite strange changes that really sort of um, interrupted our flow and didn't really have the have the desired effect. So I think that was a disappointing thing. The reaction to the goal wasn't there. But I think other than that, I think it was a good performance. I think the first, the Neymar chance where he goes through and Neuer saves it with leg, I think that's a really good save. I think you just have to take your hat off to him there. I think the Mbappe one's the, obviously the, the sort of turning point of the match. You just think, yeah. how has that happened? And if, they, if he had been fully fit, would he have put that away with his eyes shut sort of thing? I don't know. You can sort of you can go back... You, go back and sort of ponder on that for a while can't you but I think generally sort of I'd say for 45 minutes to an hour I was pretty happy with the performance but it was just disappointing how it sort of tailed off yeah yeah you've touched on something there that I definitely want to highlight which is Mbappe's um, fitness or lack thereof so that's something I think has gone as reported as it should have been and Jez what, what was your overall thoughts um, you like I was tweeting along during the game, um, sort of watching and uh, and taking it all in. And I think um, what Matt said there is quite poignant in that it's those chances. It's probably that that one before halftime specifically. But Tuchel said after the game that had PSG scored first, they probably would have won 1-0. And it wasn't the final everyone expected in that, yes, there was a few isolated chances, but it was more of a high-quality chess football match, you know, with with sort of good defending and, and structure rather than sort of all out attack and, and everybody go for each other. What was your overall impressions of, of the game and, and, and where PSG ultimately could have won or lost it? Yeah, I think similar to, to what both of you said, I think, yeah, contrary to what um, very basic BT commentators say, just because it isn't a goal fest, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's not a good or entertaining match. And I think it was just two very good teams who more or less, certainly for the first half and probably the first hour um, cancelled each other out. Um, I think PSG's defence played really well. I know Kera's getting very low marks all over the place and certainly sort of from probably about 35 minutes onwards, I think Komen did start to get the better of him and then obviously that's where the goal came from, although to be fair to Kera, it's not easy to mark Lewandowski and and Komen at the same time. But, you know, generally I thought he had a decent game. Burnout was excellent. I thought Silver and Kimpembe, I know I've criticised them in the past, but I think they just carried on their their, their great form of this mini-tournament. Mm. Um, Defence, I thought Herrera played really well. Paredes, I thought a tiny bit disappointing compared to the, the sort of cameo um, against Atalanta in the last match. But... Um, you know, also solid, Marquinhos, just as you'd expect. And the thing is, you sort of, before the match, you kind of think, well, you know, obviously the front three will be great. It just depends how the defence do and whether the front three get any service. And the frustrating thing is that um, arguably it's, yeah, it's not as, it's too simplistic to say 
that's why they lost the match. But it was the the front three that all missed chances. There was also the Di Maria one where he sort of blasted over yeah. from a reasonable angle. They all missed chances that nine times out of ten you'd expect them to put away. Um, and also just generally, I thought, were quiet. Um, I thought maybe Mbappe looked like he was sort of trying too hard. Obviously, a fitness question as well. Neymar just certainly wasn't the same player that he has been the last two matches. And I think as happens with, with Neymar, um, sort of the longer the match goes on, if if things aren't going his way, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, you know, if, if he's not sort of at the top of his form and, and really enjoying himself, then all the bad stuff comes up and there's a little bit, you know, maybe one or two extra roles and a little bit more moaning at the referee, that kind of thing. Um, so that that's the frustration. You, you, I, I was expecting a high scoring match and I was expecting that if Bayern won, we'd have said, you know what, the defence wasn't up to it. The midfields weren't quite able to, to sort of link defence with attack. And so the front three were a little bit starved of service. I don't think that's the case. And so it's just a pity that the usual match winners were the ones that were found just a little bit wanting. And in terms of whether PSG would have won if they'd scored the first goal, I don't know if it's just, you can say that, but certainly I felt that for them to have a really good chance, they needed to score the first goal. Because I think that Bayern, in the same way as against Lyon, they're such good front runners. They're so confident. The whole team is playing so well that once they've got that goal, it just, I know there was still the, I think the Marquinhos shot that, that Neuer saved after that, but they just look so comfortable. And I thought it looked like PSG lost a bit of belief, which is a pity because they really did match them pretty much until the goal. Yeah, there was an awful lot of shithousery for the last 20 minutes as well, yeah. I noticed. I think Lewandowski had about eight fouls. Um, and again, you know, it's one of those, if it's going for your team, it's the classic, you can't get the ball and you could see PSG were getting frustrated and they couldn't get out. There's, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. And as much as we, we give Bayern credit, but there you go, there's the credit. This is a, a, a sort of a PSG-themed and French football-themed podcast. So if you want more uh, more discussion on Bayern, we're probably not the place to be right now. So I want to focus on, on PSG. Matt, a couple of things that Jez highlighted there, um, but I want to throw sort of your way. Tio Kerr is the first one. He's a player that I saw quite a lot of at, at Schalke um, back in my hipster days where I'd watch 40 games of football <laughs> a week. Um, he, he always struck me as, as a pretty competent and upcoming centre-half. Um, arguably a holding central midfielder in terms of his passing range was pretty good in, in the Bundesliga. He never really felt that he was a right-back, if I'm honest. He just never felt comfortable with him in that position. He doesn't have the athleticism. His crossing is not great. What do you make of PSG persisting with playing him there? Is it a case of that since Munier went, there's no faith in anybody else to play there? Or is it an area that they need signing? They've been linked with Hector Bellerin tonight, which you know might help them in terms of going forward, but certainly not defensively. Bless him. Yeah. Um, what, what do you make of, uh, of Karen and how Bayern kind of exploited that area of the field? Um, I think it was a shame that he sort of ended up like carrying the can and he was so obviously exposed by Common a few times because actually the first sort of half an hour was probably one of the best uh, games I've seen him play and you, I think it was indicative that Alfonso Davis barely got out of his own half, you know, that um, Kira and uh, Di Maria were, were tying him up uh, quite well and I actually think, I wonder if Di Maria's sort of lack of influence sort of in an attacking uh, sense was a bit to do with him sort of being quite busy, you know, keeping the shape and keeping it solid. But um, back to Carrera, I think I think it's a bit of a needs-must situation. I think that Tuchel trusts him because he's one of his signings. I think obviously Mounier has, has gone and um, Colin Dagba, the other option, has been quite injured. So it's just kind of, he's just ended up there. And I think having someone who doesn't have that sort of natural, modern, full-back kind of attacking uh, mentality has suited us quite well because you've got Bernat on the other side who's extremely attacking who pops up all over the place you know on the wing in the box in central midfield so I think having one fullback who who isn't that sort of adventurous and one who is very adventurous has, has worked quite nicely but I certainly think you wouldn't want him to continue there if you're looking at areas where we can improve the team I think it's pretty obvious that we need to sign a right back a proper one and also we're going to lose Thiago Silva so we're going to be a centre-back short. So whether we're going to bring 
someone else in or whether Kyrgyz is going to move back to the centre and go into the rotation for the for the two centre-back positions uh, sort of remains to be seen. But um, I think generally he's been solid enough at right-back, but I don't think it's ideal uh, to keep him there for much longer, really. Yeah. If it's um, if it's centre backs you need, by the way, as an Arsenal fan, uh, we've got about seventy four. So if you yeah. need them, just just pop our way. Say, there's a, there's a, there's, right, there's a hole. All the others that are left. As well. <laughs> yeah, there's a hole in the squad which only like uh, Mustafi could, uh, could fill. The <laughs> sort of, needs that. It's called the, the Diego. It's the Diego Logano role for anyone who's been around for a little while. <laughs> basically, <laughs> you, have, you have someone who's there who's a bit useless, who uh, you know probably looks nice, but that's about all. So maybe we'll take stuff in to do that. Maybe, maybe um, Kozak is the man to come in. Yeah. Now he's back in Liga. Um, the the other question I wanted to put to you, you kind of both you and Jez have touched on it already. Is is the <laughs> I don't want to say slating off because I think most people have been fair, but there has been a little bit of nose thumbing today about Kylian Mbappe. And, and I've seen a few very amusing Manchester United fans saying that Mason Green was better, which does give me a, a jolly good chuckle. Mm. But those people aside, there's been a bit of this, you know, he didn't perform and we'll come on to Neymar and, and his part in a second. But with Mbappe, I just felt that the minute he got that injury, um, spoke to a lot of people including one person who's very well trained in in sort of physiotherapy sports physiotherapy and he said oh don't worry he'll be back in two weeks and I thought yeah he may be back but I, I just never felt like he looked match sharp you know he, he yes he was fit enough to be out there but he, he never looked like he was completely free and up to the speed that requires of a a European Cup semi-final and ultimately final. And yes, he changed the game in the semi-final, in the quarter-final, sorry, against Atalanta, but it was what a, a sort of 30-minute cameo. Oh, yeah. um, I just felt last night that it, it wasn't that he didn't try hard, it wasn't that he didn't run hard, but it was just that almost split-second thinking about it rather than the Mbappe we know that just runs through and, and is, is merciless in, in those sort of shot-taking is is that is enough being made of the fact that he probably wasn't fully fit and, and was relied upon in this game? I don't think so because I think mainly because people can't remember anything that happened like longer than like two days ago, can they? But obviously he he had quite a bad injury like about a month ago, and then he was back like almost immediately, which is you know testament to his you know determination and uh, his fitness and his hard work to get into that position. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. I think he's most effective burst was that 30 minutes against Atalanta and I think in both the other games he like you say he's lacked that little bit of sharpness that that sort of decisiveness which makes him Mbappe which makes him so exciting when he's in full flow that he can do pretty much everything and I I'm surprised it hasn't come up more to be honest because people people usually like I think Mbappe is sort of quite well liked uh, in general in football where not like Neymar you know where people take an old excuse to have a go at him so I think that probably did affect him I think in that chance like we were saying earlier the one just before half time I think that's the sort of thing where you would back him to score more often than not and also the sort of just the decision making there were a couple of times where he got into a good position to cross and either he took the wrong option or he took a little bit too long and it you know it petered out and you just think if he had been on it like completely on it then maybe it would have been a bit of a different a different story but you know that's just that's football isn't it it's just one of those things but just a bit uh I think a bit disappointed for him that you know he was on the verge of as a 21 year old he could have basically completed football which is completely mental you know champions league he's pretty much have everything uh so he's still got time on his side I think he'll probably be okay but yeah uh it was Certainly, I think he's still feeling the effects of, uh, of that of that injury. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously saving. There's no point winning it in a year where there's no Ballon d'Or. Yeah, very, no. very good and, point. Yeah. And he's obviously saving it up for his, his inevitable media-driven move to Real Madrid because French football's crap. We all know that. So, um, yeah, I, I joke, of course. Um, Jez, the, the, the smoking smoking gun, unfortunately, uh, falls to you. Um, and we'll get Matt's thoughts on this one as well because he's obviously a, a big a big uh, talking point, and that was Neymar. Um, he was sort of pictured in tears after the game. Uh, I, I felt like he was on the edge of the game last night. I don't think for, for all his faults, and yet there are many, and a lot of people don't like the way he carries himself on and off the pitch, which I think quite rightly he said in an interview a while back, you know, what he does off the pitch is his business, and certainly if the club lets him carry on, then that's up to them. But um, I felt on the pitch last night, he, he was just on the periphery, um, and ultimately... <laughs> He's 28 now, um, and it was an it was another big game 
that got away from him in the end and, and a lot of people reveled in in his upset which i did find a bit distasteful but you know that's media for you what did you make of his performance and and, and overall where do you think he is in in, in terms of project psg is, is there sort of another chance for him to come back from this and and lead them which is essentially what he was bought for i i think he was disappointing yesterday i remember one particularly good dribble down the center but otherwise, I'm, I'm, yeah, he, he didn't feel... I mean, it's weird. He was played down the centre and, and it felt like he was on the periphery. And you wonder if he'd played, um, just appeared a lot more on, on the left-hand side like he has done in the past. Maybe he'd have um, had more effect. And um, I just, I'd, again, I don't know if it's the occasion getting to him. I think you know, everyone says in his defence, he's played with more pressure than anyone else over the last 10 years or so because he is sort of Brazil's main man. I don't know if that's true or not, but it means he should have been able, you know, he should be able to deal with this pressure. He's won the Champions League before. It's not like he's got the pressure of, you know, winning his first medal or anything like that. Um, so it was disappointing. But again, it is just one of those nights. And as, as Matt alluded to with Di Maria, to be fair to the front three, I thought that the first half they were all really doing their defensive shift, which certainly in the case of Mbappe and, and Neymar, you don't always expect, which means that when they get a chance or you know a chance to run at the defence or to shoot, they may be lacking just that little bit of lucidity, which you need certainly to, to beat someone like Neuer. Um, but I think overall, I think sort of in the image of, of PSG in general, um, I've, I sort of cheekily said, you know, when it comes down to it, have they really achieved anything? They scraped past Atalanta and beaten a below par Leipzig. But I think what's really important is this huge mental hurdle that's been cleared. And um, I think that bodes well for the future. And I don't think it's just mental hurdle in terms of, um, you know, no remontadas and getting past the second round or the quarter final stage and going all the way to the final. I think it's more the mental hurdle sort of within PSG, within the sort of team unit. And um, I think a sort of mini World Cup tournament lends itself to that. You're all living together. You're either going to implode like every other France team or every other France squad in every other World Cup, or you're going to really bond together brilliantly and go on and win the thing like, um, you know, 98 and, and 2018, for example. And I think they, they did come close to that second one. There does really seem to be a good um, team ethic now. And I think, you know, with Neymar going back and forth to Brazil and with him constantly pushing seemingly for Barcelona moves, he did not seem entirely invested in, in PSG. Now I think he does. Now I think all the, all the noises coming out of there suggest that not just him, but everyone is all sort of pulling, they're all pulling in the same direction. He seems to have taken more of a leadership role, not not only on the pitch, but off it as well. Um, I think Mbappe was quoted as say, I thought it was quite interesting, because I, I think, I might be wrong, but I think all of Neymar's assists this season were only to Mbappe. And we've discussed before how, you know, Cavani always seemed the odd man out in that front three. And I don't think it's anything to do with any sort of temperament issues with Cavani, but just that fact, I think, led to a little bit more tension within the squad. And so, again, no no offence to Cavani, but maybe that's benefited the people that are left. And, and Mbappe has talked about how he and Neymar have realised they can't do it all, in, all themselves. Firstly, it was interesting for him to come out and admit that they've both had that attitude in the past. Mm. But secondly, and more importantly, the, the fact that, um, you know, they've realised that they're doing something about it. So, you know, t teams, even once they click, they, they often don't win the Champions League first go. You know, Liverpool lost the final before they won last year. Bayern, I think the last two or three times they've won it, it's sort of coming off the back of a, of a few disappointing results as well. United took ages to win it. So, um, although PSG didn't win, I feel like this could well be sort of the start of something rather than the end of it. And certainly for at least another year, I think Mbappe and Neymar will, will be there. So I think they'll both have another crack at it for PSG next year. Um, yeah. I think it poses a problem of 
the fact that at some point they probably both will want to leave and you know can PSG afford to lose them both in the same summer I don't know that's why earlier in the year I'd have said Neymar will leave this summer and Bappe next summer but I think it's good that they both seem invested enough that at least for another season they'll both be at it and you know he's he is it feels like he's not ancient but he's been around for so long at 28 is more or less your peak so if you stop those back and forth and you stop the um i was going to say stop the injuries that's unfair although i do think his sort of hygiene of life as they say in france does maybe lend itself to to being a little bit more likely to get those injuries but if he if he remains dedicated and as matt alluded to if they get champions league quality players in every position because i still think as matt said right 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 back is still a bit weak and I still think that midfield is not a top quality midfield but if they get those positions right then we saw last night for an hour they matched what is whatever Liverpool fans say clearly the best team in Europe at the moment and you know with a little bit more clinical finishing could easily have have gone on to win the match so they're really not far away and they Whereas in the past, it often felt like one step forward, two steps back. This season, it really feels like only steps forward. Yeah, yeah, I think perfectly said. Um, over to you, Matt. Uh, I'll, I'll change the subject slightly, but feel free to to offer your thoughts on Neymar. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to know, as a as an actual sort of PSG fan, what your thoughts are on Neymar. Because, again, there's... I don't want to bring it back to my club every time, but we have a similar thing in, in Meza Urza where the, the fan base is, is so divided. And of course, I appreciate it's different, different levels of player and, and Neymar is, is playing regularly. But it's this sort of thing of some fans love him, some fans think you'd be better off without him. So I'm intrigued to know what you think about that. And I also want to just get your thoughts on, on that midfield because it's clearly the problem area for PSG. You touched on earlier on about the substitutions. Uh, Draxler feels like a player who though immensely talented, has been needing a move for at least two seasons, if not three. Um, Marquinhos, I think, is a brilliant a brilliant sort of man to have as your future captain, and, and he leads by example, but I still think he's better as a centre-back. Um, Herrera and, and Paredes, both suitable deputies, but for me, shouldn't be first choice. And there's a lack of creativity in that area. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on that midfield? And, and obviously, feel free to touch on Neymar as well. Yeah, sure. Um, So quickly on Neymar, I think like many fans, I've been on a bit of a journey with Neymar this season in that, I mean, he's a difficult guy to love, isn't he? Like, I think this is to steal a line from Guillaume, who I do a podcast, I should have said earlier, I'm on the PSG Talking podcast as well, which uh, if you like PSG, you should look us up and uh, have a listen. But um, Guillaume, when we did the show before the final, he said he's a hard guy to love, but he's a difficult guy not to like, which I think is a very a difficult footballer not to like, rather, which I think is is um, is a nice summary of it. I think that as the season's gone on, I've uh, I've sort of uh, made my peace with his behaviour last summer, and you know I think that what you can always say for Neymar is it always tries on the pitch. I think maybe it's sometimes quite misguided, but I think that he, yeah, I think he's quite sort of. I think he's quite strong mentally. I think that he always, he keeps his head up. He always tries to get involved. He always tries to influence the game. And I think you can admire that while being frustrated by it on, on some level when it, like in the sort of closing stages last night where it's sort of, he was trying to do everything himself and it gets a bit frustrating. So I think, I think that he'll stay because I don't think there's really a market for him. I don't know who's going to buy him. Uh, and I think even if there was a market for him, I think he's probably, like Jez was saying, I think he's probably uh, invested in the project enough. I hate that word project. I'm really sorry about that. I think he's invested in the team enough uh, to, you know, stay for at least another couple of years and try and get that Champions League. And I actually think that we might get an extension out of Mbappe having not won it, because I think it might have given him a taste for, you know, wanting to win it before with PSG before he makes the sort of inevitable move like you were saying to Real Madrid and uh, breaks all the hearts. So, um, yeah, uh, that was a bit of a ramble. But I think in terms of the midfield, I think there's definitely improvement needed there. I think we all thought we had the answer when Idrissa Gay joined last summer uh, and he started really well. He was an absolute machine, but it's sort of um, gone off the boil a bit in recent months. And obviously his um, injury put pay to his sort of participation in still tournament. But I think... I think you put it nicely. I think we've got a lot of understudies, but not many star men, not like in the sort of glory days of the early Qatar era when the 
you know, the midfield of Motta, Matuidi and um, Verratti was really the driving force of the team. And obviously Verratti's still around for better or worse. I mean, I think if we'd had a fully fit Marco last night, maybe, you know, another little thing which might have changed the match our way. But I think you saw when he came on, he obviously isn't fit either. So I think definitely some additions needed there, definitely some different skill sets needed, a bit more craft, a bit more guile to sort of, you know, balance off what I think is probably a sort of serviceable Champions League midfield. It just lacks a bit of, in terms of depth, I think it just lacks a bit of sort of star quality. But I mean, I'm not sure that'll be the priority, to be honest, because I think we need a right back. We probably need a centre back and potentially need another option up front as well, uh, depending on how you look at it. So I think there's probably a bit more work to do than than most people think. I think certainly adding depth, uh, but also, yeah, certainly in, in midfield, we could do with a, do with another start or another sort of guaranteed, uh, you know, first pick in that area. Yeah, very strange. One thing I missed for the, from the overall game, that the non-appearance of Marco Verratti when chasing a goal was an interesting one. I, I get the the allegiance to, to Chupo for his contribution in, in the uh, previous rounds. But Icardi, you just uh, feel for all his faults, what he does uh, is put the ball in the net, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I was very, I think Tuchel got pretty much every one of his substitutes wrong. I think, like you say, Draxler sort of seems to have been on the way out basically since he arrived. I think he's a obviously a lovely player, but he also is one of these who sort of decorates games rather than sort of really grabs them by the scruff of the neck. So I think he's probably his time's come and gone and it was quite weird to see him come on. And then, like you say, bringing Chupo on, I think it didn't really make a lot of sense. I think I can see why, because he's been in great form in the friendlies and in these obviously had a decisive impact in the Atalanta game. But at the same time, clearly when you need a goal, Icardi's more likely to get you a goal. So I thought that was a bit odd. And also I think generally just changing the midfield around, I thought the midfield was functioning quite nicely. I think Herrera and Paredes were working quite hard and um, Marquinhos obviously sweeping up as he does. So I just thought, you didn't really need to do that. I think if they could have just weathered the storm for like five or ten minutes and they could have settled back into the rhythm they had previously, they might have had a better chance of going to get an equaliser than they did by changing everything up and just sort of ended up getting a bit desperate, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, just throwing everyone. Just on that, can I ask Matt? I was going to ask about the substitutions, but in general, sort of, uh, how do you feel about Tuchel? Did they get to the final... Thanks to him or despite him, does does he deserve an element of credit or was this, you know, maybe something to do with, you know, if it is about team spirit, was it him that sort of facilitated that or was he, sometimes I feel like he just seems like things happen to him rather than <laughs> him creating them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a really, it's, it's so hard to get a handle on him, I think. I find it really difficult to know what I think because he doesn't there's no like thing where you could there's no hallmark sort of formational way of playing that you can put on Tuchel's time at PSG and say that's what he that's what his team stand for that's what they're about it's very much changes all the time the sort of the approach seems to have changed every every year it just sort of evolves and then sometimes he falls in a good one like with the the 4-2-4 you know and getting the the so-called fantastic fall in the team at once it's like that sort of worked just about so we stuck with that for ages even though it sort of seemed a bit quite flawed and then in this you know in these games we've kind of ended up in 4-3-3 just sort of because uh, Icardi's really out of form and you're like well has, is that by design or you know by accident so I I think you can't you can't take all the credit away from him and say that you know it's all down to the players and nothing to do with him because ultimately he's the coach he's there he's um you know if there's if they're given an environment where they can build team spirit and build that camaraderie and sort of play like a sort of unit, then I think he has to take some credit. And I also think that defensively we've been really good all season. Even last night, you saw it, the shape, they got pulled out of shape once by Bayern, who are by most people's reckoning the best team in Europe. Uh, so I think that he has to take credit for that as well. But I think it's, it's hard to sort of really put your finger on what he, you know, what he's, what sort of added value he's bringing beyond that and because of that and because he's not really Leonardo's man anyway I suspect his future is always going to be there's always going to be a bit of a question mark over it probably the rest of the time he's he's at PSG for yes especially as long as Mauricio Pochettino is um is leading yeah. in the wilderness yeah um, yeah, yeah you, the, you do you feel know. like he's waiting for this job doesn't it ex-PSG player 
you know, um, has a, as, I was going to make a really bad Tottenham joke then, but I won't. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's clearly sort of well-liked in Paris and, and there's a reason that he has kept very quiet and kept himself sort of in the background throughout all this sort of period of time, I, I suspect anyway. So you wonder if that might be something. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a bit of discussion about Tuchel considering his future in the immediate aftermath last night, but it's probably a little bit knee-jerk. Jez, I want to get your thoughts on the the fallout of, of this game in terms of what it means to PSG as a club and what it also means for French football. I feel like we've had a sort of a moral victory during this tournament as well as a moral thump in the nuts last night where, you know, we had our day in the sun, Killian sort of tweeting, like, you know, who's talking Farmers League now. And there was a, a real big push on PSG and, and Noel getting to this latter stage and proving that, that Ligue 1 was not as bad as everyone thinks. And then last night, of course, the media all turned. Um, I'm not going to give certain people credit for articles written, but they're out there if you want to, if you want to dig them out, um, people sort of going off on the Qatari bandwagon and the human rights aspect and all that, that's more of a political side. But there has been this anti-PSG element and ultimately they, they've lost to a side who have been sports watching for years, who have significant Qatari investment, who essentially pillage all the best players from their rivals on a regular basis. And yet they're lauded as, as the, the whiter than white from this final. What does it sort of represent in terms of fighting that element back, like how, how does French football take this as a positive and, and how do PSG sort of use this as a positive? Is it almost like their way of saying, right, well, we've got this far, we now need to prove everybody wrong by going one step further? I think that there's, there's sort of two, two elements there. In terms of French football in general and, and PSG's part in that, I think you've got to see it as positive. And, and um, although I have no doubt that had PSG one last night there'd have been a lot more articles about how yeah but this year is discredited because covid and france had so much time off and no fans and so you know there'll always be an asterisk and there was none of that after Bayern's win fine but you've got to think you know two clubs going into the semi-final um yes the circumstances are different but i don't think it matters i think i'm not you know france simply can't compete with the other really big leagues, partly because the other really big leagues keep taking all of France's players. And uh, I sound like a little kid moaning there. It's it's just, you know, the fact of things, that's how it works. That's fine. That's what France have to deal with. Obviously, PSG are pretty much the only French club that not only can resist that, but also play the part of the big club and, and, and you know, nab players from other teams. So they should be there or thereabouts every every time. As we've discussed so many times before, for a club like Lyon to get where they did, particularly after the season they've had, is, is a great bonus. Um, you know, clubs like Lille last season, who had such a great season the year before, were never going to be competitive in the Champions League because all the matches of the first couple of months of the, of the season, when they're still getting used to a whole new team because, you know, half the players that got them there have... have moved on to Arsenal or, or wherever else. Um, so I think France are always fighting a losing battle. At the same time, I think sometimes they could give a better account of themselves, especially in um, in the Europa League. But I think this has got to be positive. And actually, um, you know, we touched earlier on the fact that some of the English com- commentary and punditry has been disgraceful. I think, for the most part, the sensible people on the social media have acknowledged that you've even got like people like Raggy Omar, a sort of war correspondent tweeting about how bad Stephen Manaman's been. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, this, today I started listening to, to yesterday's uh, BBC um, post-match podcast and I don't expect any more from Chris Sutton, but when Chris Waddle was clearly just making things up as he went along, I turned it off just because it's too painful because I, I, well, I, I want to like Waddle. Um, I think that the fact that two French clubs have got this far has hopefully um, made people stop and think, you know, Farmers League is the obvious cliche, but stop and think that there's a lot more going on than just um, PSG sort of romping to the title every year. There's a hell of a lot of players 
um, who are playing. And it's not you don't have to wait until they've been signed by a Chelsea or a Man United or whatever to have heard of them. Um, just give Lee Gat a chance, and you you will see some um, nonce against Bordeaux, <laughs> but you will also <laughs> see some some quality matches, and more importantly, some quality players. So I'm hoping that this will give certain people pause for thought to at least show a little bit more respect. In terms of PSG and the Qatari thing, I, of course, there again, I can split it into two. First of all, I just hate the selective morality because no one has a go at Man City in the same way. No one rips the piss out of Man City who've been spending more money for longer and have been choking, we can now say more, a lot more than PSG have done. Um, but the other thing is just purely, you know, we've got Matt on, who's been supporting PSG for 15 years. They Yesterday, 50 years to the day, they played their first match. OK, it's not the same history as a Sheffield FC or whatever, but they've been going a long time. They've won a hell of a lot of trophies before QSI turned up. They won, they've won a European trophy a quarter of a century ago. They deserve more respect. And this whole use the phrase um was it sports washing mm. but um i feel like all these people have sort of whitewashed psg's history and i think you can just this is the thing that annoys me if you want to you can very easily distinguish between the two you can say yes we have loads of concerns about who owns them but at the same time they are a football club they have long-standing fans they have a history um you know you can't discount Matt's 15 years of support and, you know, many of the ultras support. And, you know, I saw a photo yesterday of Yuri Djokovic's dad beaming because he, as he met Al Khalifi, because he's the, I think he was the first PSG captain. You can't completely discount these people and completely discount um, PSG as a football club just because of their owners. Yes, you can argue or they've only got this far because of their owners but again they 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 uh what is it 25 years ago they they were in the champions league or european cup and champions league semi-finals they they have a heritage and i just think it's very lazy very selectively moralistic and for me i really do think i know that's a separate issue but i do think it's some kind of english anti-french thing um to um to really zone in on on them as you said this is a champions league but this is the first time since 98 i think that two champions have competed in the final so the name of the tournament they're playing in is bullshit um they're playing in a tournament run by uefa i don't think we need to go into um how dodgy uefa have been in the past so every it's a horrible thing to say, but frankly, there's not much in football anymore that isn't morally compromised. Mm. And yes, playing under a very questionable state is, um, there are moral questions there. And, but like I said, I think they need to be separated. And, you know, I had an argument with someone about it yesterday and they said, yeah, but if PSG had won, that would have bet that would mean the Qataris have won and they've succeeded in their propaganda. I genuinely don't think, I actually think all these people that are slagging off PSG because they're Qatari, they're doing more of the propaganda for them. If they all kept quiet, I think nine times out of 10, people would watch PSG, think that's a football team. I either like them or I don't based on, you know, whether it's something as simplistic as I like Neymar or Mbappe or I don't but they're just a football team. It's everyone going on and on about this. They're terrible, terrible entity because they're now owned by Qatar. That's the Qatari propaganda being done for them. It's not whether they win the Champions League or not. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't have said any more better than that. What, what's your, as a fan, Matt, how, how do you see it? Because this, this always fascinates me and, and I, I liken it sort of in a way to the, the Newcastle takeover. That, that failed in that you had so many Newcastle fans that have all been essentially just willing to, to just write off everything because it's like, hey, it doesn't matter because we're signing all these big players because we've got a rich owner and it doesn't matter about anything that's gone on. And my biggest issue with it, and I'm very intrigued about your opinion on this, is we as fans who support our clubs, we have no say in who owns our clubs. And as Jez touched on there, there is so much corruption and God knows what 
goes on in football, whether even down to the smallest element of tapping players up, we know it goes on. And, and I, I defy anyone to say that when your team is winning and your team is performing and you're enjoying your football in the nicest possible way, whilst we don't condone, uh, and we, we should make that clear, we don't condone the activity that goes on in, in certain countries or by certain owners, it's got nothing to do with the players or the football club in terms of what it represents and, and its history and its performance on the pitch. And people say about, well, PSG have got all this money, that's why they can sign these, two, these, these players. It's how they could sign two of the best players in the world. You know, no offence, but I think if they had the choice, God bless them, I don't think Ander Herrera and Idrissa Gay would be, you know, the two players they'd be going for, you know, if, if money was literally no option. Absolutely. So what's, what's your sort of thoughts as a fan? Like, how do you take it? How do you sort of, how do you feel, I guess, is, is the question. <laughs> uh, it's, such a, it's such a difficult, how do I feel? That's a very philosophical question as well. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult one to, to, bat, to grapple with. Just quickly, I think that's an interesting point you raised because I think PSG winning the Champions League would have been a good sporting story on one level because you have got Neymar and Mbappe, who are obviously the two most expensive players in the world and were brought for ridiculous sums. But at the same time, you've got the rest of the team, which is free transfers like Herrera, it's rejects like Bernat, who was bombed out of uh, Bayern quite unceremoniously and nobody wanted him. There's relative unknowns like Carrera, who apart from hipsters like yourself, Chris, probably uh, wasn't particularly well known in the, in the football world before he joined us. So I think I think there, there are interesting stories in that PSG team on a sporting level as well, which sort of probably goes to your point of how you sort of, the sort of conflicting uh, sort of feelings, I'd say, towards the Qataris. I think that uh, as someone who's, I would find that, you know, some of the stuff which goes on in that country fairly reprehensible, but I think at the same time, you can feel you can feel that, but you can also enjoy the fact that Mbappe is in our team and not like, you know, Amara Diane or, uh, you know, I just had a quick look while you guys were talking at that first game that I went to. We had uh, we had Ibizovic up front, who I really don't remember at all, but I suspect was not a uh, uh, a world beating star, you know. So I think you can, I think as a fan, you're not, you're never going to be like, oh, this is terrible. What a, what a hard life it is having to watch Neymar and Mbappe every week. Um and I think it is something which is always there at the back of your mind. And I think from my point of view, I would be quite happy now if the Qataris left because I feel like they've done a lot for PSG in terms of putting structures and systems in place and upgrading things around the club to bring it into that sort of you know, super club in inverted commas level. Uh, and I would be quite happy were they to sort of leave and, you know, even if it meant us taking a little bit of a, a step down in terms of the money that was available and sort of the level that we're operating at, because I feel like they've probably put the foundations there, which someone else could take on and probably make uh, a team out of PSG, which is not quite so hated and maybe does not elicit quite such sort of conflicting emotions for fans who, who want to see the best players in their team, but also maybe feel a bit sort of uneasy about where the, where the money's coming from. So I've kind of fudged that, haven't I? I, <laughs> I think that basically I don't like, I don't like, I would prefer that the Qatar, if I would prefer we didn't get Neymar and Mbappe by the means that we have, but I am also sort of quite happy that we're there. So I guess ultimately we all sort of, you, not just in football, but in life generally, you have to sort of accept that nothing is perfect, is it? And I think that in football, there's a lot of things which aren't perfect. And I think that PSG are just one of many, many problems or one of many manifestations of the sort of the problem of top level football if you want to call it that in that it's you know a hyper capitalist sort of environment which is subject to a fairly high degree of corruption so i feel like we are unfairly targeted and i feel like if you're if you were looking for a completely pure like morally uh, perfect team i think you'll be out there looking for for quite a while yeah yeah i'm not sure, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah can, um, I, can I just quickly add a couple of things to that? You may, yes. That um, occurred to me from what Matt said. Firstly, um, again, just I think at least for sort of 90 minutes, it's very, you should be able to separate the two. And just because he said, you know, I like watching Mbappe, I'd rather, you know, I find, I would find a team led by an Mbappe more likable than, say, a team led by a Diego Costa, for example. <laughs> so I... I just, you know, there's, you can look at it 
however you want to. If you decide that you don't like PSG, then you can find the justifications for it. And I think similarly, we haven't talked about the person who scored the winner last night, who obviously is a PSG Academy player. So on the one side, you can sort of, you know, if you want to sort of stick the knife in at PSG a bit more, you can say, you know, ha ha ha, that, you know, they don't give any of their youth a chance. And this is what happens to them, isn't it? A sort of great you know, karmic comeback sort of thing. Or you can say, well, good for PSG. There's a hell of a lot of other teams around Europe that are benefiting from their very good um, youth academy. And um, again, you can argue on one side, well, you know, where's the money come from to create this youth academy? But a lot of these other teams, uh, on the one, one hand, they're, they're criticising PSG. On the other hand, they're very happy to, to pick up some of these young talents that, that PSG have created. So... I just think again, there's a there's a certain level of hypocrisy there too. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you summed that up very very well. Um, final thoughts because we we've gone far longer than than we planned, but um, hey, we make the rules, so who cares? Hopefully, it's been a good listen. But I want to get final thoughts. Um, I'll start with you, Jez, because I want to kind of wrap with with Matt and, and his thoughts on PSG moving forwards. But um, anything else that you want to address that I haven't covered about the game in particular, Jez, and and, and where this sort of project again we're using that horrible word but where it where it goes from here i guess lon's next uh is it next sunday i guess that's where we go from here but yeah. there's actually been reports while we've been recording that psg want that match postponed ah um, i'm not surprised by that if i'm honest <laughs> um subject to that game going ahead then asterisk but uh yeah what was your overall sort of summation of, of last night's game i just again i just i think I don't, so just looking at sort of three 90-minute football matches, I don't think PSG did anything amazingly special, um, certainly in the first two. But yesterday they really went head, to, you know, toe-to-toe with one of the, with the best team in Europe, one of the biggest sort of behemoth clubs in Europe, and were not found wanting by very much. And I think they've got to take that away with them. They've got to take all the sort of positive sort of mental things from that but also I mean again maybe it's a likability thing but again forgetting about ownership and all that kind of thing as the two of you said PSG should be likable because they've got a nice balance of of sort of superstars and more kind of vulnerable and average and rejected players and the club is sort of People like an underdog, and the, and the on the European scene, there's an element of that to PSG. They they do somehow manage often to to throw things away. They haven't yet won the Champions League. They they haven't won a European trophy for 25 years. And then on the other side, you've got Bayern, who you know in a way that that sort of Neuer incredible Hulk pose after saving Mbappe's shot that was offside anyway, sort of sums. Bayern up and again it just it depends what side you want to take you can say this is such a dislikable club because they just win everything they you know arguably at times suck the joy out of out of matches actually I think this Bayern team is relatively likable but Bayern as a club you know in Germany they've ruined the competition as much as as PSG have in recent years but they've been doing it for longer um, we've talked about their sports washing and, and that kind of thing as well um, but they're absolute winners, and that's what PS if that's what PSG needs to aspire to be—just sort of ruthless, cold-blooded. You know, you get a chance, you put it away. Um, don't care about the, um, you know, how the opposition feels. And they've they've jumped that first hurdle. If they can jump that second one, then there's no reason why they can't become multiple European Trophy winners. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very well summed up, and and I I, I for one really hope that that they do kick on, and and that's where we will leave the pod with the final word from Matt. Um, kicking on, Matt, where do yeah. you? I I guess it, it would be churlish to say the title is always PSG's, you know, because Monaco proved a few years ago that that isn't always the case. Um, I happen to think they're. I mean, they're obviously favourites, and and rightly so. But um, there is going to be a picking up of of uh, chins off floor about last night going into the next game, and there is going to be a lot of sort of soul searching. There's already talk that Neymar and Mbappe is sort of well, the club are going to look to extend their contracts potentially, so that'll be one to keep an eye on. 
where do you go from here and, and how much surgery do you personally as a fan, how much sort of surgery do you, would you like to see? Because there's, there's clearly going to be some moving on and well, Thiago Silva has already gone today. Um, there clearly needs to be a couple coming in. So what's, what's the future for the season hold, do you think? Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be really interesting to see because it's such a unusual situation with the pandemic and there being no, uh, you know, obviously no break and straight back into it. So I think what I'd like to see is them to use this as a springboard, like you guys have said. Um, and I think we need some additions. I think we need, I was saying earlier, I think obviously we need a right back. I think we need to decide what we're doing at centre-back, whether Marquinhos is is going gonna, is gonna to be sort of in the defence full-time or whether he's going to be back and forth like he has been the last couple of years, in which case we'll need a centre-back or a centre-mid as well. So I think you'd also look up front and say, well, there's Neymar and Mbappe and Icardi and Di Maria, but who's the, you know, cheaper motings on his way out? Do we need another option on the wings? I think there's probably something needs to do in there. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they go about the the transfer business. I think... What I'd like to see is the majority of the sort of team kept in place, try and maintain this sort of team spirit and level of togetherness that we've seen this season, which has uh, eluded us in the previous uh, iterations of the Qatari era. And I think um, with, I'd say, two or three canny signings, and I'm fairly happy that Leonardo's, you know, remains in charge. And, for you know, he's a, obviously a guy with his faults as well, but I think that he's a a good sporting director for us and I would trust him to to make the right moves in the market and hopefully with with two or three sort of quality additions we can be back in the certainly back in the quarterfinals or back in the semi-finals or even looking to win it again next year like you I think Jez said earlier I think Liverpool's the model you look at isn't it you lose the final one year you go away and come back the next year and go the extra hurdle and hopefully with our the experience we've had this time around can be channeled in a positive way in the coming season. Yeah, well said. Although we um, we don't like to give Liverpool too much credit on this <laughs> this or any podcast, it makes me feel Sorry a little bit that, sick. Guys. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think you're absolutely right. The one thing that, that this season has shown us, despite the fact that it has been a completely nuts season both in Europe and and domestically, is that uh, that there is always that opportunity for teams to break through. We saw it with RBL, like uh, RB Leipzig and and, uh, and Atalanta. And from a, a French perspective, I don't think anyone. Um, really gave Leon a hope against Manchester City and they proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, we're going to see Rennes' adventure begin in the Champions League this uh, this season, which I'm sure Rich will be across when he comes back. And um, it, it's exciting times for French football. And the one thing that Jez and I are going to record a podcast later on this week, um, looking back at the first weekend of, of Ligue 1, that there is so much talent in this league and it's just a question of, of, as you both said, whether that can be harnessed and honed and, and used in the clubs that it's currently residing at or whether it's just sold on. Because ultimately, when you see the young players that um, that, that PSG have, have moved on, you do wonder if there's a, a case of or what could have been. But as you, exactly what you said, Jez, they, uh, they're helping to, to sort of free up other clubs um, in, in terms of making steps forward, they've still come through a Paris Saint-Germain academy at the end of the day. That, that doesn't happen by chance. So we can but hope that things will will continue in, in, a, in a good vein. And um, if nothing else, PSG have, have got one of the nicest kits for next season. So if nothing else, yeah, it's a small wins in life. And it wouldn't be me if I didn't bring it back to kits, would it? Um, right, we will leave it there. Um, I want to say thank you very much for joining us, Matt. It's been uh, really good to have you here. And uh, I'm sure we will we'll try and get you back on at some point um, throughout the season to talk some more PSG. Uh, if people want to um, follow you on the wonderful world of Twitter, which is never toxic ever, honest. But if they do want to give you a, a look up and, of course, the podcast you mentioned before, where can they find you? You went, you've gone very quiet there. I don't know if it's the same. Oh, sorry. I thought it was me. <laughs> I thought it was me. Sorry. It was probably me like, leaning away from my microphone because I know we're nearly at the end. Um, at PSG Tourist on Twitter, if you'd like to follow me there. And I'm also on the PSG Talking Podcast, which is a offshoot of a PSG fan website. And they're at PSG Talk, which you can pick us up on that. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I've had a lovely time.
Good stuff. I, 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 I can hear you, Matt, but I think uh, for some reason it still isn't coming through very clearly. So just in case our listeners didn't catch that, um, then uh, let me just, oh, sorry, let me just go back to that page once again, which I've just moved off of. So it's at PSG Tourist is where you can find that on Twitter and uh, obviously the links to his podcast and that will be there as well. Um, so um, yeah, hopefully if you haven't fallen down a well, Matt, I can still just about hear you. But thank you very much for coming on. And uh, and Jess, thank you for making this possible in, in Phil's absence and for your uh, well thought out and constructive opinions. I thought you behaved yourself very well tonight. Um, <laughs> In fact, we both did, didn't we? Because we were very tempted not to. But uh, I'm yes, just, I'm just praying this this actually goes out, and it wasn't an excellent podcast shared securely <laughs> between the three of us and no one else ever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if it was, we were all here. We could all witness that it was great. So you know, <laughs> if nothing else happens, we know we were here. Um, you and I are going to get our heads together again. Um, we're recording this on Monday. We're going to get our heads together, sort of Wednesday, Thursday time to have a look back at last week's uh, opening Liga action. And as well, we're going to preview the weekend ahead. So we're going to do that. Um, might just be me and you, I think, by the sounds of it. Just just me and you. Oh, such a lonely time. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. At least it gives us more chance to waffle on together. So uh, yes, look out for that. But assuming that Jez can make all the relevant uh, knobs and buttons work, uh, hopefully you'll have enjoyed this podcast if you're listening to it. And, uh, and we will be back with that aforementioned League Iron podcast later on this week. So um, many thanks to Matt again for joining us. Thank you to you, Matt. And also thank you as always to Jez. Thank you, Jez. Thank you, Chris. And we will speak to you very soon. Until then, <sighs> sigh. Till next year. Good night, Champions League. <laughs>